Hello and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I am here as always with my co-host Jillian Parker. Hi everyone. Hi Quinn. Hi Jillian. So how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, I slept in today, so that was really exciting. I slept in until 7 a.m. Wow. Um, I woke up at around 8 a.m. and it was very early. It's not actually that early, but um, I'm still recovering from vacation, so it felt early. Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. Um, But are you excited for this week, for hanging out with your fam? Yeah, um... So we are recording this on Saturday, way in advance for us, um, because I'm going to be in Montreal next week, and I didn't think my family would appreciate it if I took several hours to record a podcast while we were on vacation. (laughs) So since it would be very weird to just do this episode five days in advance and not knowing what's going to happen the next week, although we could just try to guess, which would be fun, but um, probably not very accurate. We're doing a kind of a meta episode instead, and so we're going to talk about basically our experiences over the last six months, or seven months, um, doing this show in terms of looking at the biggest stuff that's happened in the past seven months, primarily in the terms of American political discourse, because that is something that we discuss almost every week on our show and I think is very relevant Um, and in terms of what we're doing here and what we think you know having a news and politics show means in 2017 and whether it's just like a pretty immoral thing to do at its core or whether there are good things and it should be exciting we'll see how it goes wait have we really been doing this for seven months yeah because it's it's almost the end of June, and we started this at the beginning of November. Oh my god, that's basically like a human baby. I know. We could almost have a baby. Ugh, Quinn, this is escalating so quickly. We don't really have a super structured format for this week. Um, I think it's just going to be an interesting dialogue between the two of us. So, yeah, Quinn, what do you think, or at least how has your mindset or like your opinion shifted from like before Trump started doing anything to like now and like how has I guess your view of him changed if at all yeah it's almost hard to remember at this point but when the first episode of the show went out it was before the election and I expected Hillary Clinton to win and I was very open from the very beginning that like I voted for her I campaigned for her And then the very next week, episode number two was after the election and she did not win. And it was very, very sad. And um, the the day that we recorded that episode was so, so depressing because I remember that whole day was just awful. And in my life, um, I have many, many Republican friends. which again sounds so much like I'm saying like oh you know I have a black friend or whatever but <laughs> I, oh my god that's so true <laughs> I can't help but thinking about that stereotypical phrase but anyway so I have a lot of Republican friends I don't have any friends who voted for Donald Trump I don't I don't think not one <laughs> that's good though I think yeah I mean I was pleased about that but that is just the circle that I'm in and so I didn't know anyone who was well <laughs> besides relatives but not anyone who I was directly talking to who was happy about it. And most of the people I knew were very upset. And so it was just like a very circular, everyone being upset. And as, you know, life has to happen, like you get used to it. You can't be that devastated every day. You have to, to some extent, pick yourself up and move on and say like, okay, well, this is reality now, so what are we doing? And now it feels like it's been my entire life. It feels like it's been so long. <laughs> it's also like, I don't know, I guess because, at least at least for me, because we're doing this podcast, I am reading the news every day, and I am staying a lot more, you know, tuned in to what's going on around me. And so I think that just makes this presidency seem a lot longer than it has been, just because I'm constantly reading articles about it. 
I think that's totally true. See, now when people bring up news stories, I'm like, yes, I know. I've already got you. <laughs> yeah, like my mom will text me and she'll be like, oh my God, did you know this happened? But it'll be like three days after it actually happened. And, I, and I'll be like, yes, I recorded a podcast about it. <laughs> Get on my level, mom. <laughs> that is a big part of this, though. And it's a bit depressing, especially in the early days like in November and December, um, where I was just like, oh my God, why did we do this? This is horrible. I hate this so much. Yeah, because, I mean, I didn't vote for Trump. I mean, and we all know that I didn't vote for Hillary either, but even that, even I was expecting, you know, uh, a Clinton presidency. So it was just like, wow, this is okay. Okay, then I guess we need to like regroup. And so I think the episode that actually we we discussed the discussed the results of the election that was like what the second or third episode it was episode number two. Oh, good so right when we were very uh very into the show and knew what was going on um <laughs> yeah yeah so it's just we've like i don't know at least i think we've grown a lot i think at least you know, coming from my perspective, watching you, Quinn, especially in the beginning, I think you were just in this state of, like, disbelief and, like, oh, my God, like, how could this have happened? You know, a lot with a lot of um, the rest of the country. But I think it's really a testament to you to see how, like, watching you become, I don't know, not more tolerant, I would say, but, like, more eloquent and speaking about this and speaking about a president that you don't necessarily like and just, I guess, being more resilient about everything. It's been really cool to watch watch you do that and go through this um, as, like, a co-host. So kudos to you, Quinn. Well, that's very sweet. <laughs> what has this been like on your side? Because you're coming from a very different place um, politically and just in general looking at this presidency and this Congress. Oh, yeah. Like, so as you know, I'm... A registered Republican, but I'm pretty much a libertarian. But I do want to vote in primary, so that's why I'm a registered Republican. Um, but I've lived, I've come from a Republican household. My family's still very conservative. Um, it's funny because in college, like Quinn and I joke that I'm like the conservative one out of all our friends. But then I come home and my parents are like, "Oh my God, you radical liberal!" And I'm just like, "Oh my God." <laughs> so it's been interesting. We don't really talk. I don't think, I never bring up politics when we're at home, um, and I actually don't know who my parents voted, well, I know who my mom voted for, but I don't know who my dad voted for, because I don't, I didn't want to know, really, kind of ignorance is bliss, um, but they don't like Trump, but obviously accepting that his presidency was a lot easier than a lot of other people's um, acceptances of it just because, you know, they really, really, really did not like Hillary. That leads to an interesting question, I think, um, where there's been this whole movement where people say, not my president, about Donald Trump, um, and then um, Trump supporters have kind of been like, well, he is your president because you live in America, and if you don't like it, then get out, which, you know, is a great refrain if you don't like it, get out. Cause you know, no one ever tries to improve things that they love, but criticize anyway. So, but then there are people on the anti-Trump side who are like, well, this is my country, but that's not my president because I just don't accept who he is. And so I'm going to try to fight against him. And I honestly see how that sounds ridiculous, but I also understand like how it works is, is like an emotional, um, drive, not a literal one. I, I can see where people are coming from and I can sympathize, I guess, but I don't know. For me, it was okay. Granted, Obama and Trump are very, very different people, but like even in the past or like even during Obama's presidency, like I didn't necessarily like him, but I've always accepted him as a president. Like I've always, like, do I not like him because of his views? Um, do I not like his views? Yes. But do I think that he did uphold the integrity of the office? Yes. So like, I still have a large amount of respect for him and not, even though I didn't vote for him, even though my, I, because you know, I was under 18 and even though my, um, 
parents didn't vote for him. Like, I think we always just accepted that he was president, and it was just, like, not really a big deal. Um, so when people were coming out and saying, not my pre- like, Trump is not my president, like, there was things on Twitter, like, hashtag not my president. I understand that, especially because, you know, nobody expected Trump to win, and Trump is obviously a very, very, very different person than, say, like, Obama or Romney. But, I don't know, I think there was a part of me that was just, like, and there still is a part of me that was just, like, I know that he may not, you may not want him to be your president, but, like, by definition, if you are in the country and you are a citizen of the United States, he is your president. So, as for me, I'm, like, a very literal person, so it was just, like, kind of weird, but, um, I guess, you know, it's, I have to work on being more accepting of other people's views and just not, I don't know, not necessarily shutting down things that I don't agree with or don't understand. And if I don't understand, at least try to sort of gain some perspective. I think um, on the not my president note, it's a little bit of it is probably um, trying to make all of the other countries in the world not hate us. Because I genuinely think that, that the United States would be in a worse position right now if it wasn't so clear that so much of the United States does not like Trump. Because a lot, a lot of other countries, um, especially our allies in Europe, don't like Trump and have openly expressed not being able to trust the United States anymore. But at least that they can look out and see that we don't like him either. And, you know, we're working on it. <laughs> so I do think that there is some value there. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. But yeah, you're so right. Europe was not well, especially oh my god, Angela Merkel hates Trump. It's so funny. But um I think there is, I guess, to our credit, we have made it obvious that the American pe- that most of the or a large number of the American people do not like Trump. And so I think definitely, as Quinn said, that has sort of improved um, the way we look in the eyes of our allies and even the countries that don't really like us that much. I think that the point you made about um, being open to other points of view and understanding other people is super important. And I want to come back to that. But first, I want to talk about um, more directly um, in terms of effects of the Trump presidency, this whole idea of the way um, racism and sexism and xenophobia has sort of um, transformed from like the underground foundation of America to right on top, like bringing right into the spotlight. Yeah. This topic has been discussed extensively of course and there are a lot of people who hold issue to this idea that like this is new in any way because the United States has always had serious issues um with these problems but I I feel like there was kind of a lull for a little while where at least people felt like they couldn't be openly blatantly um sexist racist Islamophobic um out in public, out in places where, like, their peers and their uh, families could see them. And now it, it has been brought into the public consciousness in, I think, a much more definitive way. I've, okay, so when you first put this in the doc and we were going to discuss this, I was like, I don't know, maybe if it's just come more to light because I've been paying more attention to the news and being more, you know, in tune with culture around me. Or if there actually is, you know, this more objective shift from putting all of this into the limelight. Um, And I talked to my parents about this. And, like, growing up, my parents were like, yeah, like, things aren't perfect, but there's not really a lot of racism anymore. There's not really a lot of sexism, like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, okay, so I guess things have improved. But then now when I, now when I'm aware and I realize this, I'm just like, oh, my God, like, this the world is a lot more racist and a lot more sexist than I thought. Like, has it always been like this? And at first I thought it was literally just me being like, oh no, maybe it's because I'm more aware of what's going on around me. But then I like went home and talked to my parents about it. Like, I don't know, a few weeks ago when I was home. And even they agreed that like a lot of the things that they didn't really notice have definitely come more into light. Um, And so it's not necessarily just me aging, it's just a cultural shift. And I think that's really interesting. 
I think you're right. And I also think there is some extent to maybe the media is covering it more, um, especially since the Trump presidency started in terms of people actually paying more attention. Um, And I guess that can be good in some ways, but I also think there's an extent to which that just elevates the voices of people doing horrible things and, you know, being openly racist and xenophobic and all of that. And that's a really tough balance. But I think it definitely, we have seen that increase, especially in terms of um, violence and hate crimes. Mm -hmm. It's definitely like one of those things I think the media was reluctant to talk about at first, just because in news stories, or it's pretty much like an unspoken rule that um, if there's ever a suicide, you don't really publish, publish it because you don't want other people to like see that and then decide to take matter I don't know you know what I mean but um with this it's it has just been so so much in our news lately and it seems to be like the only thing people people talk about nowadays and it's just I think it does create more of this environment where I I don't want to call it negativity but definitely not as like happy-go-lucky and optimistic um, as, I don't know, as growing up as a kid, I remembered. But then again, I was also, you know, not, like, under the age of 18, so it was just, it's it's a different world, and it's hard for me to try to, like, make these comparisons when I was obviously not the same age as I am now observing this. It's a scary time to come into adulthood, I think. I'm gonna be very interested to see how our generation is shaped by everything that's happening right now especially the people with like in this five-year age range hitting college and getting out of college about the time that Trump is president because it it really is a different kind of world than it was just a few years ago yeah it really is um and I think it's just I don't know I think it's also interesting um reading the news sources and just I don't know I guess when I was younger I always thought that (laughs) the the point of news was to be like this objective like voice of reason in like the chaos that is the world and they were just supposed to like report the facts and like not try to necessarily spin off into their own stories and so I I I, even back then I like understood politics well, the idea of politics that you do try to change things, but I didn't think that, you know, major news sources would ever be obviously in favor of a presidential candidate or something else. But like, I have realized that that is not the case. Um, So that's been interesting to adjust to. Yeah, let's talk about objectivity in news. Do you think that it's ever possible to have an objective news source? Um absolutely not unless it's like very very vague like um today a lot of things happened i would say that's pretty like pretty objective (laughs) but that should be the new podcast every week we just say a lot of things happened bye (laughs) imagine we just like made the news as vague as possible like oh my god but yeah i don't think it's possible to be objective and i think you know, I think it's really important to try your best to be as objective as possible, but I don't necessarily think you'll ever reach that 100% level of whatever, objectivity. Um, What do you think, Quinn? I agree with you as well. Um, Even when you have huge, high-profile publications, you know, that have huge staffs and people with lots of different opinions, news sources do tend to get a slant and maybe that slant is very subtle but that there's still always going to be choices Um, maybe not even how the pieces are written but what pieces are written what do they choose to cover how much do they cover it all these decisions are going to show some kind of bias on behalf of the news source and you know that doesn't mean that it's false it doesn't mean you can't trust what they're saying but it doesn't mean that you are probably going to have to balance out what you're hearing with other sources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Also, I would just like to say that back maybe even on that number two episode where we were talking about the election, 
we told people explicitly not to have us be your only news source. And I'm talking right now directly to the several people and friends in my life who have told me this is their only news source. What are you doing? Yeah, I... Um, actually, someone said that to me too, and they were like, oh yeah, like, this is... Like, I listen to your podcast, and that's like the first news-related thing that I've, you know, experienced in the past, like, four months. And I was like, literally, why would you do that? <laughs> And you know what, I appreciate that because a lot of people have told us um, what I'm really grateful for, which is this show is kind of like, let's commiserate together about the news. And it's kind of like getting through the week's stories with a friend and it's easier to get through. And so I totally appreciate that we give out that vibe for some people. And I think that's great. I just, it scares me. That's a lot of pressure. So I just need to feel like I need to put that statement out there so that I have officially encouraged all of you to read your own primary sources. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, we should just end every episode with, like, what my dad used to say to me. Um, like, read a newspaper <laughs> or something. <laughs> Welcome to Mixed Feelings. Read a newspaper. <laughs> but yeah, we're not exactly an objective news source either and we've never pretended to be but that's kind of a weird thing right yeah i at least though like to our credit i think we sort of embrace that where i do know that there are a lot of news channels that do try to present themselves as the most objective source out there or at least objective relative to others but like i think there's some credibility in our case where we flat out say from the beginning, yeah, we are not that objective. Like, I have my very strong opinions, Quinn has hers, and sometimes we clash on them. And we usually spend most of the episode talking about our personal political views and not necessarily, oh, well, objectively speaking, like, blah, blah, blah. No, like, I think if words are coming from a person, there is no way that it can be objective. Yeah, I feel like we do occasionally use the phrase objectively speaking, I try not to I try not to present anything as quote unquote objective unless I think that it is um, at least a pretty broad perspective um, or an actual fact about a thing as opposed to my opinion. But I'm probably not always perfect on that, but we do our best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we try a for effort. Um, and not necess- not even speaking from like a news point of view but do you think in 2017 it's possible to not be partisan like in general like even in everyday conversation oh boy I don't really think so and I guess it's a good time to talk about being open to other views because this is especially right after the election this was a huge topic and I think this is absolutely true but not 100% of the time. I was actually in a conversation um, with a friend about this the other day, and I have had many conversations with especially family members I don't agree with, because um, like I said, a lot of my friend group I'm at least with on social issues. But I definitely have had conversations um, with family members, and I'm able to have those conversations where we are listening to each other and we are presenting different ideas to each other and we can still be respectful and like each other because we have an established relationship. We, on this podcast every week, we may agree on a lot of stuff, but um, we definitely disagree on a bunch of stuff as well. And we're able to have those conversations. Sometimes they even get a little bit heated. And I know that at the end of the conversation, you still love me and I still love you. And then we have that foundation and that relationship so we can have those debates. But on the other hand, I'm not going to get in a fight with every Twitter rando. I'm not going to try to convince strangers on the train. Like, I think that there really has to be an established relationship before you can have those dialogues. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Um, I am all for expressing your view and, you know, freedom of speech, whatever. But I do think that I don't want to say necessarily that there's a time and place, but I think some sort of relationship like has to set the foundation for these conversations to happen. Like, I'm not going to go up to a person that I just met, and if they say something, like, that I don't agree with, I'm not going to, like, call them out for it and, like, start debating with them. Like, I don't know. That's just not me. Um, I applaud people who, like, do feel comfortable enough to do that. Um, but for me, like, personally speaking, I'm just, that's not something I'm, like, comfortable with. 
the exception, of course, is in an academic setting or any other kind of setting that's specifically put aside for these kind of intellectual conversations. But that is when that purpose is explicitly defined in the space. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, in seminars, like, honestly, anything goes. <laughs> <laughs> seminars are fun. Yeah, but also I just want to, I think we talked about this a little um, on a previous episode, but just how I think, especially with this presidency, it has led politics to take more of a role in our personal relationships. Like, Quinn and I love each other, and I think we do agree on most things, and we and if we don't agree on something, we can, like, debate about it, except I think the one topic that we know that we'll never agree on is taxes, but, like, we've accepted that, but um, I think it's just interesting how, like, at least for me, it used to never be, like, oh, politics is such a defining part of who you are as a person, and, like, oh, like, if someone likes this person for president and I don't, like, that's fine. We can still be friends. But I think that this presidency has really changed that perspective. Absolutely. It, it's been extremely polarizing. And there's that um, statistic out there that I don't know where it came from, so I'm not going to cite it exactly, but I do believe it, which is you're less likely to date someone of a different political persuasion than almost any other demographic feature. But honestly, I totally get that. And for me, it's like, would I date a Republican who's like you? Yes. Um, <laughs> hey, call me. No. Uh, <laughs> what? But would I date a Republican who's supporting Trump and supporting policies that actively harm my life and the life of the people that I love? No. That we just have completely different worldviews, if that's the case. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think there has been such a shift to, like, your political affiliation somehow now becoming more intertwined with your worldview. Um, and I think that goes again to what I've said or what we've said on earlier episodes where just because, like, there's a difference between being a Republic Republican and being a Trump supporter. Like, they are not, they do not have to be mutually inclusive. Mm -hmm. I guess I've never really agreed with that whole thing where like you should never discuss religion or politics. Religion and politics are my two favorite topics of conversation. <laughs> and I do think that they've always been important and that I don't really agree with people who are like, I just don't follow politics. And I'm like, oh, so you're unaware of what's happening in the world? Cool. <laughs> um, I may be a little bit judgmental, but I don't really have a big problem with people setting boundaries because of politics because it's not just politics if that law that's being passed is going to directly affect your life, if that's going to affect you being able to get married or getting food for your children or anything like that. It's not politics. I mean, it is, but it's also your life. It can be both things. Yeah, exactly. I think it's like that topic, like those topics of conversations, like I've totally read articles where it's like the three things you shouldn't talk about on a first date. And it's like politics, religion and like relationships and even like growing up my family my parents were always like okay Jillian like remember like never talk about politics and never talk about religion and I was like got it good because I know nothing about them <laughs> um, like I know that we have a president I know we have a president and I know that I'm Catholic but other than that I, I was like very naive because you know I've I've grown up in a very conservative household my entire life and I've gone to Catholic school my entire life so I think it's interesting how, like, at least people have come up and told me that they're surprised when they find out that I'm not super, super liberal or that I do have, um, or I, I am able to have these open dialogues and that I don't, con I don't, like, necessarily shut down people for believing something slightly different. And they're just like, wow, like, especially coming from your background, like, I would have not expected that. And it's that's kind of like a two-handed compliment because that's just like, okay... Thanks for not thinking I'm completely moronic, but it's just, I don't know. It's just interesting. And I think, I think coming from that background has actually sort of helped me, not necessarily, not necessarily informing my own views, but like being able to understand that there are a lot of other views out there. And because I do come from, at least in the college world, I do come from a minority and the fact that I'm not super liberal and I am more, and I am willing to have these conversations. Like, 
I like getting into debates because even if I don't necessarily win the debate or if, even if nobody wins the debate, at least I come out better understanding a perspective. I do think that I could in my life be better about actively seeking out different viewpoints and trying to understand them. I think that I'm pretty good at this in terms of um, like more, I would say, m traditional conservative ideas or so like financial ideas to the for some extent but there's so there's to some degree where um especially with social issues which are the ones I care about more that I kind of seek out conservative arguments in order to better argue against them <laughs> and I mean that's legitimate um, for some extent um because that is one of the reasons why you want to understand the other people's argument right but um, and there's some stuff like that you're never ever going to be able to convince me because I am sure that for better or for worse that like I am sure about some things that I am correct and like those are just values that I hold true and to myself and yeah like you shouldn't hold, you shouldn't let your ideas become you and like you should be open to changing them and swapping them out and I try that I do think I need to be better at that. But I mean, you're never going to be able to convince me that all genders, sexualities, and religions shouldn't be loved and respected equally. And that's just like a value that I'm going to hold true to myself. So I, I do think that maybe I should be more open to their side, but there are, there are going to be some things that I'm always going to hold close to myself. That's, that's very, that's so true. I think we do say like you aren't your political affiliation, but you are the ideas and the perspectives and the beliefs and like the things that you do hold really close to your heart, that those make up who you are. And sometimes those can be, you know, involved in politics or like, I don't know, policies about them will be incorporated into politics. So to an extent, there is, I understand people who do say, I, I better understand people who do say, oh, you are your political affiliation, um, even though I necessarily would not agree with that 100%. Well, as a Republican in this day and age, I can understand where you would take issue with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and I wouldn't want to be 100% identified as a Democrat either. Like, I don't agree with 100% of like the Democratic agenda or whatever. But it is, you know, significantly more aligned with who I am as a person than any other political party. So I don't feel bad identifying myself as a Democrat, but I wouldn't want people to think that's 100% of who I am. Yeah, there's like a joke at our school about like being a closet Republican. And I definitely think I am a closet Republican, especially on campus. Um, but that has slow, that has, I've sort of gotten out of my shell about that by saying yeah I'm a registered Republican but let me tell you about being a libertarian and then that's like okay <laughs> and then everyone's like oh god here she goes again yes Jillian we get it taxation is theft leave us alone like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I am um, um yeah I didn't know you're a Republican until I'd known you for like 14 months <laughs> yeah and I think I don't know something like that I kind of take that as a compliment like it's like, there are some Republicans out there that do have very isolating views, and the fact that I wasn't necessarily, that I wasn't even remotely associated with that, um, kind of, I don't know, makes me happy. Yeah, well, I mean, it only came up once we started talking about politics, and we did not talk about politics until we started working on the show together, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely um, would have come up at some point, because then we lived in the same room when the election happened, but there's that, too. <laughs> Even then, though, it was, I don't know if it would have come out super, like, obviously, because I, like, wasn't openly, well, I wasn't, not even, not even openly, but I wasn't supporting Trump at all, and I was just, like, indifferent towards Hillary, so it was just, like, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I guess we didn't talk about politics or stuff like that, because my mom always said, Jillian, never talk to your, <laughs> never talk to anyone about politics and religion until you know them super well, or, like, you want to get into a fight with them and I was just like oh my god mom stop um why not both <laughs> no I think it's just because like I don't know she's she like never 
like, I love my mom, but I don't think she ever wants me feeling like I'm on the outside. And I think definitely being more conservative on a liberal campus and on a liberal campus would definitely put me on that outside. Um, And so I just don't think she wanted to introduce that. She didn't want me to introduce that into my life and have people associate me with something that I'm not because people would have these like assumptions about me that weren't true, you know? Have you experienced any of that um, on campus? Like you said that you tend to introduce yourself as a libertarian now if it comes up, but like, have you ever experienced feeling like people are judging you or pushing you to the outside? I don't necessarily think it would, it's not like an active like pushing outside, but sometimes people do make comments when they don't know that I'm a Republican. They're just like, oh God, like I hate Republicans. Like they're so dumb. Like this one girl started dating a Republican and she was like, oh, this that's his like one fatal flaw. And like, even though that didn't necessarily, like, I knew they weren't addressing it to me. It was kind of just like, oh, darn, like, I'm technically a part of this association. Like, and so, but it's not, it's never, it's not, it's never been, like, detrimental, you know? Like, it's just like, okay, like, whatever. But other than that, um, I guess there is some more hesitancy about, like, being super open about what I think. Um, not necessarily about like social views because I think I do have a lot of social views that are exactly in line with um, democratic social views. But I think especially about like taxation and more financial um, esque policies that people tend to disagree with me a lot on, and I think I definitely kept those more to myself just so I could, I I don't know, seem more liberal than I am. It's it's like this weird dichotomy where like I want to be proud of the fact that. I do have, like, these libertarian views, and then I am a registered Republican, but I can have these dialogues um, with the dichotomy, with the other side of being, like, oh, maybe I should just, like, be quiet and, like, not talk about anything. Interesting. Okay. So I think that we should also talk a bit about our show, not just in terms of partisanship, but about the whole concept of having a news and politics podcast. Like, is this, are we doing any good in the world by having this show are we harming anyone or is it just like a thing that we're doing because we want to what do you think well I'm gonna look at this completely economically and in the fact that it's all about utils and like I gain utility from hosting the show and you may or may not gain utility from listening to Quinn and me talk about politics um and if you don't get utils from us then you don't have to listen to us so I mean I don't necessarily think it's irresponsible for us to have a news source. I think it's kind of cool. And I don't know, it's always a topic of conversation or during an interview because I have this on my resume. But like, I mean, I think that's great. Yeah. in every single interview that I've had, people always ask it, ask about it, which is just like really funny. But yeah, I don't think it's irresponsible. I mean, could I be doing something else? And could I actually be going out into the world and changing things from more of a hands-on perspective I mean probably but like I don't know I also gain utility from this and so why wouldn't I want to do things that you know give me more utils that's a very economic argument (laughs) yeah what about you Quinn I mean clearly I agree with you or we wouldn't still be doing this show I mean there is to some extent that we think that doing the show is better than not doing this show if only for us and the people that seem to like it Um, or else it wouldn't be continuing. But this is a thing that I've been thinking a lot about, um, especially the day that the Republican House passed the um, ACHA was the same day that a podcast episode was going out, and I remember just feeling awful about it. That was just a really hard day in general because that was a big blow. Um, And then I was just sitting there, I was like editing a show, it's like what and you know how sometimes you get in those moods and you just start spiraling and I'm like what is even the point of what we're doing here like we're here talking about this healthcare bill and then you know the healthcare bill just gets passed and are we actually are we just making things more polarized by talking about them are we are people just listening to us instead of actually going out and doing things and trying to make a change um in you know in the u.s or in whatever place that they live where they can try to enact change on their politics um and that's kind of a like a faulty idea to like put this pressure on the two of us 
purely just by me, by the way, like no one else has put this pressure on us, but but trying to put this pressure on us as if like there aren't thousands of other places doing the same thing and like putting news out there, having podcasts where they talk about the news and all this kind of stuff. So I guess I don't think we're actively harming the world, but I just wonder in terms of, you know, economic, I mean, putting this in economic terms, um, is there a more efficient way to increase our utility or even is there just what is the opportunity cost of doing this show could we be doing something that is more effective in the world either in terms of a podcast or not even doing this podcast and just putting you know however many hours a week that I spend on this show towards calling my representatives oh Quinn I have never been prouder of you than right now (laughs) but um yeah I think even even though economics is seen as very logical, I do think that economics can be biased in the fact that it all depends, honestly, how you like how you view utils, and if you think that there's more um, if there's more value in your own personal utility versus like the overall utility, and there's so many different economic theories about that. Um, about the different ways to maximize your utility and ma- increase infic- uh, in- and increase efficiency. And so I would just leave it as, okay, maybe we're not increasing the overall, maybe we're not maximizing society's utility, but I mean, I'm maximizing my own utility right now, so that's like fine with me, but Quinn is a lot um, more selfless than I am, so she probably has different views on that. I mean, I'm not more selfless than you are. I'm just more anxious than you are. <laughs> uh, I think you're more self selfless than I am because I am definitely just as anxious about you as some things. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, yeah. <laughs> um, <sighs> well, then there's another closely related question to this, which is what about the responsibility of us when we make mistakes? I mean, we have made mistakes on this show. Um, some of them have been, like, very minor things that haven't... Like, when I said we haven't had a war fought on U.S. soil in however many years, and that was wrong. Um, some of them have been more serious issues, like me messing up the U.S. tax system. But we haven't had something that's been, like, a huge mistake. Um, but, you know, we might, probably will have that at some point, um, especially... If it's a story that's very new um, or still developing, then when we cover it, like, what then? What do we, This is a weekly show. We can't just put out, like, a breaking news broadcast to, to correct it. It's just going to be out there. Yeah, but I do think that the vibe of our show is definitely open, or at least the format of it is very conducive for mistakes, because you know what? We're, like, two college kids recording in our dorm, like this is not CNN. And I think people who listen to us recognize that. And so I think when we do make mistakes, it's more, at least I know when we, I make a mistakes, it's more necessarily like me caring about making the mistake than other people, if that makes sense. I guess. And I guess I don't mean in terms of people being angry at us or anything like that, but just in terms of like now more false information is in the world, you know, Am I going to say fake news? Yes, I am. Fake news. Uh, <laughs> and that's not that's not good. Yeah. I Okay, now I better understand um, which, where you're coming from. But even then, I think, like, yeah, we're going to make mistakes, but, like, it's also on you to, like, it's also on, like, listeners to recognize that it's a mistake and then go out and seek other information. Like, again, like, I just don't think that you should be listening to me talking about taxes and take that as, you know, take that as the Bible. Like, it's just, do we have a responsibility to report accurate news? Yeah, probably. But do you have a responsibility to listen and seek out accurate news sources? Yes, like it's a two-way street, you know? And we're trying to do that every week and seeking out sources. And every time I click on a news article, I'm thinking like, where is this news article coming from? and trying to judge it and make sure that, you know, I'm getting a source, you know, like New York Times, Washington Post, BBC, places that are established. And I know that, and places that I know are going to be accurate the vast majority of the time. And if they aren't, that they're going to correct it. So please do the same. 
<laughs> no, yeah, I agree. Like, I think it is good to have a variety of sources um, that we link to our episodes so you know that we're not just getting all of our information from one place. Um, uh, and that just, like, inspires me to start, to start like, my own, like, libertarian news source that's, like, very, very well-developed and, like, the next New York Times. Or not necessarily New York Times, but you know what I mean. You know what? I support you in all your endeavors, um, and I wish you the best of luck in creating your <laughs> media conglomerate. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Except I don't know how this would, like come to fruition because libertarians are like essentially against like government help and so the amount of regulation or the amount of like compliance that we would have to put up with in order for this to happen would probably be like the polar opposite of what we stand for anyway so like it's fine whatever it's not gonna happen but it's a cool idea (laughs) maybe one day maybe one day (laughs) maybe the last topic that i want to talk about in this meta episode is how overwhelmingly American-centric we are and even when we're not talking about America we're usually talking about the UK um, and it's just generally like almost exclusively about the Western world so uh, Jillian what's up with that? I think it's what also what we know best because we are surrounded by all of these news sources that do emphasize events that happen in um, Europe and in the Americas and if anything, like China and other places in Asia that are very um, economically self-sufficient. And yeah, I think maybe it's an issue, but like I also do believe that we do tend to focus on, or at least news in general does tend to focus on the places that do have the most developed economies and like we economically have the most impact on the world. So why wouldn't we devote a lot of our resources to discussing that? Do I think there's something wrong with that yeah kind of but do i think can i blame the like can i blame cnn for doing that no not really or even us one of my major points with all of this is the fact that we're not cnn um which is like what we just keep coming back to but it's true is and the way that that's important right now is like we are two people we do not we do 100 percent of the research discussion recording editing producing of this show just the two of us And so, like, we don't have a research team and we don't have a ton of time. I mean, we do devote time, but we don't have a – this is not, like, our job. We have other jobs. And so we do, to some extent, have to stick to stories that, like, we have the cultural understanding to be able to discuss without having to do 10 hours of research on, like, the history of a country to understand the context of what happened, you know? I don't love that. I do wish that we could be more global. And I think that's in, and I mean, especially since the election happened, like we've been pretty preoccupied with the US. I'd like to think that maybe we'd be more global if we were freaking out less about the United States all the time. Maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, so I would just tell everybody, like, I don't love that about our show, but I also think that it's just a fact of the resources that we're working with. Yeah, the resources that we have and also that the time we have, because it's a lot easier for us to talk about things that, you know, we discuss in class or like read um, up on, like even through or not read up on and research on Snapchat story, but like uh, things that are in <laughs> very, you know, mainstream media. Um, and so it's honestly just like what we're comfortable with talking about, because we don't want to just like I don't want us to start talking about world events where we don't have, you know, some sort of really solid foundation in that, you know? Yeah, we do do that sometimes, but I feel like I can feel how those conversations are less, um... I can feel, like, we can talk about it and we can read as much as we can, but I don't think unless we do get a solid foundation and do have all this time to research, like, the history about it, um, we don't feel justified in talking about it because, like, I don't know, at least if someone's like, hey, like, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm talking about like the economics or the tax structure of the United States. I can be like, well, I mean, I do read I do keep up with the news and I do. And I am learning about economics and I have taken this class and I've read these articles and I can, you know, I can defend myself really well. As opposed to like if we start talking about, you know, like the Middle East and OPEC and people are like, oh, you don't really know anything about that. And I'm just like, yeah, I I really don't. And so I don't feel justified or I don't feel comfortable with talking about something that I don't have a solid foundation in. Mm -hmm. 
so I guess on that note just know that this is something that we think about all the time um and I'm hoping in the future maybe we will be able to incorporate more of these stories but it's like there's never any guarantee of that especially since we only cover really like two or three stories a week um and so this is that's not that's really not a lot of things um, compared to a week's worth of news for the entire world. So we do our best. We will see what happens in the future. So I guess TLDR, uh, we are not CNN. We do our best to research as much as possible about different news articles and about different news events, obviously, that have happened over the week. But, you know, we are two college kids and we don't know everything. Um, even though we like to pretend we do sometimes, but I guess, yeah, like don't use us for your number one news source, but also I think I, we're, I, at least I'm flattered that you think that if you're listening to this, our views aren't totally wrong or our perspectives aren't totally out there that you do find some utility in listening to us. So thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah. I'd like to echo that as well. Really. Thank you. Um, I mean, we say thank you at the end of every episode, but like we really mean that. It's super weird and cool that people actually think that our opinions are worth listening to. So thanks. And yeah, absolutely with everything else that you just said, everything else that we've discussed. Um, and I will throw out one more thing is like you are allowed to hold us responsible um, when we make mistakes, when you don't feel like recovering something that you should like. You can always send us stories, send us emails and feedback, and let us know um, what you think about the show. There's just, it is our show, ultimately, and so there's never any guarantee that we will cover a story um, or incorporate feedback that you give us, but we will read all of it, we will think about all of it, and we will do our best to make this the best show that it can be. We love constructive criticism. Actually, we just love criticism. We love everything. I don't love criticism, but I will accept it. (laughs) (laughs) all right and that's gonna be our show for this week so you can find us on twitter at mixedfeelingsfm where you can tweet at us or send us a dm as well at relay.fm slash mixedfeelings um, where there's a contact form if you want to send us an email you can also find us in apple podcast where if you want to you can leave us a review you can find me on twitter at aspiringrobotfm And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. Thanks for talking with me, Jillian, today and every week. (laughs) Always a pleasure, Quinn. Thanks for talking with me. I'm Quinn Rose. I'm Jillian Parker. And these were our mixed feelings.